Hey, Martin here. I'm back with Tristan for another episode of the Fire Chillout podcast. And in this episode, we talked about the Opal Find and to Flip clamshell coming next week to global markets. We talked about fun ethical AI dilemmas, as well as the cost of running AI search engines and more. This podcast is 100% supported by Nebula subscribers who get to listen to each episode a day early on a Friday and also get an optional video version. To get early access and to support the show, go to nebula.tv slash chillout. Thanks. Hey there, taping this Friday chill out just after midday. Martin, host of the Friday Checkout and Tech Altar is here. Welcome, Martin. Hello, and this is Tristan, my researcher and writer for the Friday Checkout. Welcome. Thank you, Martin. Uh, Martin, crazy week of AI everything, but let's get that to Let's get to that in a minute because news breaking this morning is that Oppo is about to launch the Oppo Find N2 Flip at a global event next week, February 15th uh, in London, the day after Valentine's Day. I'm sure you haven't forgotten Valentine's Day, Martin. Um, I am going to flip out because I'm not I'm not invited to the event and the phone is not coming to Germany and it's the phone that I'm most excited about since the whatever last Fold series. So kind of sad. So let's talk about that. It's... Not the Find N2, which I'm more excited about, but the uh, which is sort of like the Z Fold 4 uh, book style, but the Clamshell, uh, which has already emerged in China. And uh, I don't know why you're so hyped about it, but maybe you should tell us uh, because, uh, I mean, Clamshells are cool. Um, the, the the Flip 4 is cool, but what's what's the reason that the Oppo is, you know, Find N2 fold, uh, Flip is, is your ideal? I would actually prefer the regular uh, Fold competitor as well. Uh, but I'm just excited that Oppo is coming to the market um, outside of China with any foldable at all. I think both of their foldables are incredibly interesting. I think they're both um, they both have significant advantages over Samsung's uh, phones. Uh, no crease, uh, significantly bigger battery, which is one of the primary weaknesses of the the flip. Um, the Dimensity 9000 chips, which is, I don't know if that's a plus or a minus, but it's interesting. A way bigger outer screen, so you can actually, uh, essentially, it's like a mini phone on the outside, not just like some widgets, but like an actual usable interface. Uh, theoretically, a better camera, uh, no gap as you fold it down. Uh, and at least in China, it's also cheaper than the, the Samsung. So like the thing that I'm most excited about the, the flip is not my form factor so i don't want to have a flip myself but like what i'm excited about is that this is finally real competition under samsung and they do need it uh i i'm a little bit hesitant uh because i don't know how successful it will be because i think it's very difficult for Oppo to sell a one thousand dollar plus phone in europe and in, in masses or anywhere outside of China, that is. So uh, I'm afraid that they might pull back because it might not sell as well as they expect it to or whatever, which is probably also why they haven't brought the f the Fold out of China. Uh, I think we saw that um, something like two-thirds of the uh, foldable sales in China are clamshell versus the, the book style. So that kind of explains why they brought the, the, the flip out and not the regular. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. It's a very good phone. And Samsung does need competition, so now it has it. Yeah, I think it'll be exciting to see reviews come out to see uh, exactly where it stands. I guess it's the second generation, so uh, hopefully they've ironed out the the various uh, you know little tweaks from the from the first generation to the second. Um, and as you said, it, I don't want to spend too long on it because we won't get it here in Germany uh, because of this weird patent dispute that Nokia and Oppo have been having, uh, which has seen OnePlus also quit or seemingly quit Germany completely. 
but it also won't come to the US most likely. Um, so yeah. massive, massive markets missing but, out. But still. I mean, OnePlus has teased a foldable, so the US might get a OnePlus foldable soon. So that's exciting. Yeah, which form factor do you see that coming out as? Sort of, do you think you know Oppo is its is its parent, so it could take either one potentially? I could, I would imagine. So my <laughs> kind of idea here, <laughs> which is might or might not be true, is that I think Oppo gets to have the flip form factor in the West, whereas OnePlus has the fold form factor in the West. That's that's just a just a little tip, uh, or just a little guess. So. Uh, I don't know if that's true, yeah. but <laughs> that's how sure, I imagine sure. it making sense. It, I can I can see why you'd say that. Um, OnePlus doesn't seem OnePlus seems like a very male targeted uh, ah. demographic. Uh, so, although I think Samsung, I, I, I think last time I I heard the flip is almost fifty fifty male to female. Really, despite the sort of uh, yeah. feminine yeah. Uh, appeal of the at least the first few generations. Yeah, it's it's slightly more female, uh, but not. Not by an overwhelming number, so it's. Uh, yes. I was actually kind of surprised about that as well. Yeah, I got you. Um, and uh, anyone listening uh, who wants to see us talk more about uh, OnePlus, we, we we cover that in the Friday checkout with the yeah. launch of the OnePlus Eleven and ecosystem today. But the other thing we talk about briefly uh, that that we talk about at length in, in the checkout, but I, but I want to talk about a couple of fun things that we didn't get to. So. Um, this is the AI everything that happened this week with uh, Microsoft's big event and then Google's sort of fizzer of an event. Um, we were having a fun conversation last night about how, how the ethical AI dilemmas are being solved by being solved in inverted commas. Uh, Bing won't let you write a message to your ex at 2am if you ask it. it. It tells you that you probably shouldn't and it actually writes you a letter to send to a friend and it says, oh, hey, hey, buddy, like, I'm sorry we haven't been hanging out more and I've just been busy with work and stuff and it'd be nice to hang out. So uh, Bing cuts you off uh, and it also won't, won't write a cover letter for you either saying it's not fair for other applicants for it to be doing the work for you. So um, this is this is Microsoft putting its finger on the scale to say we, we're, we're going to think, we're going to try and head off ethical dilemmas in our own way. And uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting approach. Yeah, so in both cases, uh, Bing received a prompt that it decided was inappropriate for it to act on and uh-huh. gave a very thoughtful but kind of cheeky response that said, nah, I won't do that, <laughs> which is it's really impressive. So the, the, they're like, I won't write a cover letter. I could almost imagine that being like a pre-programmed thing because I, I can imagine that Microsoft had like, you know, 15 scenarios or... 150 scenarios that they were like, okay, these are these are things we don't want uh, our AI to do. Something like that. I don't know if this is yeah, for completely sure. pre-programmed, for sure, right? but like somehow flagged. But like yes. the 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 not writing the X uh, a message thing that like I can't imagine that anybody specifically coded a pre-programmed answer or, or of of any sort for when you're like, hey, write me a. Uh, uh, a message that I could send to my ex when I was drunk at 2 a.m. And it goes like, nah, <laughs> maybe not well, that, a good idea. But that's the thing about having, so OpenAI, having their, their published work, uh, you know, having ChatGPT out there, they, they can start assembling all of these uh, pieces of data that's not related to Microsoft necessarily. So Microsoft doesn't take a hit, but it can do a lot of learning from, from, from these experiences and start to add hard-coded, like, uh, let's not offer this. Let's not do this. Um, yeah. 
whereas Google's now still internally testing its its uh, AI um, approaches, and I, I don't know if it how it will approach similar to ethical uh, dilemmas. So, seeing how, where that I, comes, you have to you have to imagine it would be the a similar approach as well, right? Yeah, you do. I, I guess because Google's so cautious, which is yeah, uh, which sort of brings us. I, I want to bring up two more things, and I guess that uh, on this, which is. Um, Google is is suddenly. I don't. I don't know how long this. How you could accurate, accurately put this in a timeline, but certainly right now we are seeing Google as the slow, wobbling, struggling, far behind sort of company. Um, and somehow the company that is causing that, or at least is being seen to be doing it, is Microsoft, which itself, two decades ago, was the one that was slow, wobbling, and too fat to sort of you know too rich off of Win, Wintel and um, micro and Office. Uh, to to do it, so like, how does that happen? How does Microsoft reinvent itself so so dramatically, and how does Google stifle itself into uh, becoming the 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 slow fat one? I think Microsoft has not been the slow slumbering giant for a long time now. Like uh, at least ever since Satya took over, you can see that they did a lot of stuff very aggressively. They moved very fast. They were they had like decisive action uh in some areas um uh you can th- i think you can see that with gaming they were pretty much on the ball with their cloud streaming for example i thought that was quite impressive uh, i think they a lot of work around github that they do is pretty uh pretty smart uh, i think a lot of their azure stuff is pretty smart you could see how aggressively they responded to slack with teams and how well they did that versus Google, for example, who is still fumbling with their whole... So uh, j- just to point out that I think this perception that Microsoft is the slumbering, uh, bumbling giant that is just like completely out of touch, I think it's like no longer true and has not been for a while. Um, of course, there's like a lot of like baggage and, and history and whatever uh, uh, culture that you're carrying with you. Um, but the, the answer is probably that A, I'm not sure if it completely matters whether Google is like a f- three months late like uh, the the search game is going to be fought over for the next uh, two decades still or five or however many so there's time uh, there was a Netscape first then there was an Internet Explorer then there was a Firefox and then came the Chrome so like you know you can you can win eventually uh, uh, if you have the better tech um, but also the I think the real the real answer is that Google has to play defense because this new um, model, which is to Im- to include these large language uh, AI models into search, is a significant threat to Google's core business. Whereas, uh, whereas Microsoft can play offense because they almost they're almost irrelevantly small in the market. <laughs> Even though it's it's funny, it's still like a multi billion dollar profitable business for them. Bing. But I, I don't know. Do you, do you know what their market share is? It's, it's something like 3% or like something ridiculously small on a global yeah, scale. Yeah, we've, we've talked about it once or twice uh, actually in the checkout. And I'm always surprised that it's not smaller, but it's it's percentage, a single dis- dis- percentage points. And I think hovering around 4 or 5%, yeah. maybe slightly better in the US. Yeah. Yeah. So it's they're, they're not nothing. Uh, and it's, <laughs> as I said, it's actually a business that's big enough where it would be probably like a, its own stock-listed public company if it wasn't part of Microsoft. Um, but yeah, like every, it doesn't matter if they cut the market in half or cut it in, in, in four. If they manage to win half of it, it's still worth it for them. 
So um, absolutely, yep. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So somehow Microsoft has this sheen to it uh, at the moment where it's sort of, I don't know, it's getting away with stuff that Google can't. And well, <laughs> one of the ways this is demonstrated is um, I saw this morning that uh, so you know how Google got but public basically published Bard getting the James Webb tele- space telescope exoplanet thing wrong. Um, yeah. This context there about it uh, being that the James Webb telescope didn't actually take the first exoplanet pictures. Um, anyway, if you ask Bing, so some people have access to Bing already. Uh, we've we've joined the waitlist, but we're still waiting to get in. Uh, it it gets the same question wrong, but that isn't affecting Microsoft's stock price. Uh, whereas yeah. the Google thing was a bit more of a disaster. Well, yeah, to be clear, like they specifically chose to put this into their own marketing material, which Microsoft exactly. did not do. Exactly. And I think the the there's one thought about whether Google's AI is like worse than Microsoft, to, to which I don't know if the answer is yes or no. Maybe it's actually better, or 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 maybe it's equivalent. But the answer, uh, the prob- probably part of the problem is that Google just looks like they're they've completely rushed this event, and then they're in complete mm-hmm. panic mode, and it was just uh, completely thrown together both the the announcement blog post and the announcement event uh, versus Microsoft, which presented a very compelling vision for their future, uh, as a, especially as a business. Uh, you can you can see Satya being on this press tour. If you haven't seen, uh, he made an interview with The Verge. It is fantastic. He's so... Incredible stuff. Yep. He's so victorious like you can see <laughs> you can see that this man is walking around and looking at like hey you see like this other giant competitor that we have their core business their entire core business now kind of up for grabs and we're better positioned for that than anybody else so uh yeah i, I think it's it just visually looks very different and again in the end google might still win but then even if they win, does that mean real victory? Or does it mean that they cut their own business in half? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people are sort of trying to predict what happens when the day of, of search results where you can't offer promoted links um, that may or may not help go away. Um, and, and the other the other thing that we also touch on very briefly in the checkout is that uh, a US bank in, in Morgan Stanley uh, basically says that Google search is going to cost, start costing a lot more. Uh, and so if 50% of Google searches uh, are able to be handled by a large language model, uh, the computing power and time needed to generate words is very costly. So uh, if it handles maybe 50% of searches and generates 50 words each time, they predict that to be a $6 billion hit to Google's bottom line. And it goes up sequentially. So 75 words becomes 9 billion, 100 words becomes 12 billion. But Martin, where it gets worse, that's just added costs. So that that goes on the bottom line, off the bottom line. But it seems certain that Google will lose revenue from the problems where search queries can't be handled easily by sponsored links. And of course, you can have ads in in an AI model. It can direct you to to sponsored elements. But uh, and Google has you know, enough brains to to figure out how it might do this. But uh, it does seem like a difficult problem um, that's a quite a big shakeup to its to its business model. Yeah, we actually don't know if it's going to be less good for ads or if it's going to be better for ads because it's there. I think there's on the short term, it's definitely going to be worse and like significantly worse because you you just want to answer people's questions. But then if on the long term, if the query is like, uh, what is the best 4K TV to buy? And Samsung or is it Google or Bing 
tells you it's actually this Samsung TV. And by the way, this this answer was uh, paid for by by Samsung. Then you you've kind of shortened the 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 way. Like you don't even have to search multiple answers. You just serve the sponsored thing, and then that is probably worth a lot more than uh, than it would be to to serve multiple uh, answers. So it's potentially a more direct way to advertise, and potentially uh, one that could make more money. But but definitely on the short term, uh, it's going to be less profitable, uh, less revenue, and quite disruptive. And we we're not sure if we're going to be able to get to the point where it's it's monetized as well. Yeah, this is where it's so hard to predict the future. And all we can really say is like, oh, it's not going to be like it is now, which is where Google dominates. Uh, but exactly, I I still I still would have. I, th- I think I'd have hesitance firing up Bing to, to get my answers just because I'm so used to going to Google and I trust Google's results a little bit more. So yeah. uh, that, that kind of, um, uh, I don't know, that overhang that Google has is so significant and people have, uh, it's it's very easy to, to say, uh, Google's in trouble, but it's a, it's a very long game. It is a very long game. Yeah. And that's, that's why I say, I mean, I do, so uh, search is one of those products that gets better the more users it has, mm-hmm. uh, at least like classic search, um, because you can learn more from what people are searching for. You can do more indexing and you can be a lot more efficient with your overhead costs and whatever. Um, so therefore, uh, it's it's important to be big because being big means you're profitable by default. Um, I think the same will go for all these AI models as well, because the more queries you, you handle, the, the smarter your algorithm gets and the more feedback you get and blah, blah, blah. So it's 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 not like um, so Microsoft gaining share now would mean that it would have enough users to train and improve its, its uh, software on for the future. So it's not irrelevant that they're gaining share now. But I agree with you that the long tail is very long. The majority of people are going to be searching with Google for the next, you know, three, four, five years for sure. And Google has plenty of time to figure out how to turn that into something that that they can work with. Yep, got you. Okay, uh, one more topic before we... Oh, yeah, what are you going to say? Yeah, just uh, another analysis. So like you said, uh, $6 billion uh, if Uh uh, half of the queries do... Uh, 50 word responses, right? Uh, another uh, analysis from uh, semi analysis, I think, uh, said mm-hmm. that they estimate that Google makes about, I think, 50 cents per search uh, of actual profit. Uh, and then the um, the cost, if you just jammed uh, essentially open, what was it, open AI's uh, version of Chat GPT into uh, each search, it'll be about 36 cents per query that's answered so you would you would get to the point where maybe if like if if every uh, query came with uh, uh, an ai response you could potentially uh, lose two-thirds of your of your profit just just for your computing power and what this what this means like it, what one very interesting thing is that the essentially the if if search becomes compute intensive which it has not been in the past, right? You have a huge upfront cost of crawling the web, ha- having users, paying Apple to feature you as a default search engine and paying Firefox and whatever. If you, if if it goes, but but the search itself is like very easy to do on, on uh, computing power. Um, 
at least very efficient. If that changes and it becomes very compute intensive, then the profits, because the computing is so expensive, then the profits from from uh, the advertisers go not to the search engine, but to the people making the chips and then running the data centers. Yeah, which is exciting in some ways because um, a computing problem like that where uh, someone's saying, you know, our compute costs are 100 times what they were for the, for the yeah. previous model that's 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 where human advancement is pretty good in, in tackling these kind of problems and and uh making dedicated chips and and so on for yeah you know i guess eventually for large language models yeah exactly so then that's another question is whether whether it keeps being very expensive to run these models uh-huh. uh if if it is then we have another environmental problem on our hands because it just <laughs> took us took a massively uh, important service and made it like, you know, consume a ton of power each time somebody uses it. Uh, or maybe, maybe you know, five years from now, it will not be difficult to do these things anymore. Sure. I, I guess that's one thing where Google probably already claims a bit of an advantage because Google has its own TPU. Um, ah. And uh, I think it's version four. Ah. And it's maybe getting to version five, TPU version five. And so that would, I, I assume... That will just keep cutting the costs by you know a tremendous improvement each each uh, generation, because yeah. it's, we're still in the early days of this kind of um, operation. Exactly. I think AI hardware still has quite a lot of uh, headroom for improvement. Cool. Um, so to another topic, which is very exciting, and that was news sort of last night that I, that we got, um, which was uh, came out of tech news that a platformer that Elon Musk fired a top Twitter engineer because they basically told him he wasn't popular anymore. So Musk said, according to sources, a platformer, um, he has 100 million followers and he, was, he can see visually that he's only getting 10, 000, tens of thousands of impressions for his tweets. Of course, he wants everyone to see his tweets. This is his platform now. I think it's um, tens of thousands of likes, no? Well, it says impressions in, is okay. the quote, but I, same sort of okay. thing. I, I guess he can, but I guess he can see his impression numbers. That's probably yeah. why he put, made, them, made them public on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> just so he he specifically personally can see his own numbers. Yeah, of course. <laughs> everything everything that happens is, is it, yeah. So uh, Musk fired one of the two remaining principal engin- engineers at Twitter uh, because they offered an explanation for Musk's declining reach, which was that uh, public interest in his antics is waning, and they even showed um, a Google Trends chart showing that he's fallen fr- a long way from his peak popularity in search rankings uh yeah and musk did not take the news well and said you're fired you're fired to the he told the engineers so um <laughs> and that engineer i think actually no no actually that was a satire thing i nearly fell for it someone on twitter was like yes that was me i i couldn't take it anymore and it <laughs> twitter the twitter team itself had to put a, a pen to the tweet this is satire so oh <laughs> uh, yeah very yeah. good stuff uh but yeah brilliant brilliant stuff from elon everything's um, going great Oh man, I actually, I actually had this. I literally went through this myself. I'm not on Twitter a lot these days. I'm, uh, I've, thankfully, this is a very good, very good update for me that I, because of the whole saga and because Twitter is broken half the time, I decided uh-huh. to just like not look into Twitter for a while, and I've, my <laughs> life has been significantly better since. Um, uh, but yeah, I actually went to uh, Elon's profile and I was like, wow, like he used to have, in the many hundreds of thousands of likes per post, is- and now he. He routinely does like you know twenty thirty thousand, and I was like, wow, like, <laughs> I feel like mo- news moves so fast, and like the, the zeitgeist 
focuses on something else so so quickly that we've really just gotten bored with Elon and his whole Twitter drama already. And uh, you can see it, right? His numbers are down. Goodbye. Now it's AI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating. It must be very frustrating to to own this platform. Be like, I want all 100 million people to see it. And yeah. Twitter's like, well, actually, the algorithm says no. <laughs> Sorry, we can't give you that. And the engineers have to solve it somehow, no doubt. Yeah. Probably because that's but what he needs. But if you open Twitter on a new account, I swear mm -hmm. it's just like whatever you do, the top post is either now a sponsored post or it's a tweet from Elon Musk, even if you don't follow him. Like, I, I swear they're like hard-coded, you know, if a user doesn't have something more relevant than X, just show them tweets of Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Um, okay, that is time on our uh, tech topics, but that brings us to the mailbag where uh, we, mostly you, answer questions and thoughts from readers. Um, we kind of already tackled uh, one of the questions, um, just talking about the, the cost of search. So um, the main question we have left is, Salomon asks, is Bing uh, slash Edge becoming a competitor to Google Chrome because ChatGPT has more users than Bing, generated in a much shorter time? By bringing ChatGPT into Bing and into Edge, is that able to create a sort of browser war that we may have seen in the past but haven't really seen for a long time? Uh, a lot of people say Edge is quite good. Actually, you should try Edge. But at the same time, there's just a lot of friction in people moving on from Chrome. So do you see this uh, giving Edge an edge? I think a little bit, but honestly, uh, I think it's much easier to uh, use Bing and be excited about it as a, as a chat GPT uh, interface that it is to switch your browser. Like that's a that's a high bar. I don't think the browser itself does all that much. I'm sure. I'm also sure that within like you know a month, uh, Microsoft will realize that it's more important that people use their AI tools than it is that people use their browser. So they're gonna make uh, essentially uh, an extension for Chrome that will do the same thing inside Chrome, powered by Edge or whatever. So. Um, I think I think Chrome is fine for now. Uh, I would be more worried about Google search uh, if I was Sundar than than I would be about Chrome. Yeah, I just had this a dream as you were talking that Clippy really is it will be everywhere, um, and uh, offering you solutions not just in yeah. Office but but in your browser and in any Teams day now and... they're gonna revive it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Okay, that's it for our mailbag because we sort of already answered our other questions. So a <laughs> couple, couple more things to talk about. The fir uh, first one is um, where we start to end the podcast with a trivia slash fact corner where I throw a number at you and we see where the conversation goes. Um, and this time it's sort of two numbers. So this is a transition from 26% to 45%. And I'll give you a clue. It's actually not really to do with tech this time. So yeah. you have no chance. But... Feel free to guess something in your mind that's changed from 26% to 45% in, uh, let me see, 24 years. Uh, I'm going to guess it's something Formula One related because it's something that you like and I hate. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we are not talking Formula One. Uh, <laughs> we are talking the increase in forest cover in Nepal, which is kind of, oh. it's a nice story. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> basically, the, Nepal, the Nepalese government gave national forests that it was looking after poorly to community forest groups. And so the villagers who live with and use the forest and, you know, medicine, get medicines and food and, and so on from the forests 
we're, we're, we're given ownership of the forest to look after themselves. And now there's 22,000 community forest groups. And uh, in that 24-year period, um, they have that much more forest cover. So that's that's nice. Well done, Nepalese uh, forest community groups. <laughs> exactly. Well said. Um, uh, and before we go, so just something funny that came up this week. After two episodes of our podcast, we had our first outreach as influencers. So uh, yeah. PR yeah. people got in touch uh, offering to, uh, us to check out some S23, Galaxy S23 cases. And uh, to me, that seemed very fast. And I'm not used to being a personality. I'm not used to anyone writing to... And they actually wrote to me, I guess, for some reason. And they said, Tristan, you know, we, we, we loved hearing the Friday checkout with Martin. And we'd love to offer you some some cases. So this is a big moment for us. And I, I don't there know how to deal with this. How do you deal with this? I just ignore them. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I barely even open my emails because I just, I don't know, just like... I'm, 700 million emails from a random Chinese uh, Amazon seller telling me to review their baby camera. And I'm like, okay, whatever, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Is that is that the is that the state of it, though? You you are getting dozens of, of offers a week to, yeah. to check out stuff and you nearly always just say no or so ignore? Almost all of them is trash, yeah. But uh, you get, okay. you get, just get like it on, like you're on 73 email list, I bet. And, you know, somebody sells like these... And the best are those that uh, they do like a group email and they actually don't even put you in BCC so you can see everybody else's emails. Ooh, and then okay. like people start replying like, please take me off of out of this group. And then they hit reply all, of course. And then like they people are like, all, stop yes. replying all as they reply all. And then it's, it's all it's all terrible. Like emails for if you're a YouTuber, it's it's a mess. So just ignore it. Fair, fair. Okay. Um, well, that's a wrap from us. So, Martin, thanks for your thoughts as always. And you can check Martin out at TechAltar and us at the Friday Checkout on YouTube. Uh, you you are on Twitter at TechAltar, but you're also on Mastodon at a, a a link that I don't know off the top of my head and would just take mass.to is the server and I'm, I'm TechAltar. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and I'm still on Twitter at Tristan Rainer, but I don't tweet much. Uh, but thanks for joining. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll catch you next Friday. Yeah. Thanks for the podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.